you have to understand that this isn't a philosophy or a literary theory or a story to me. It's my life. Absolutely. So just go make it the one you've always wanted. Really? Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Meredith. And this is the Really Podcast. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Why are you making it sound like it's a surprise? Because every episode is a surprise. It's special. It's here. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> anyway, how are y'all doing? We always gotta start off with some bullshit. And now I'm gonna have to cut that part out and do a beep. Just some extra editing. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun editing. Yes. Because you won't be here. <laughs> you don't have to witness it. It's okay. I've been asleep like half the time before, you know? I know. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Makes it makes it okay for when I'm not going to be here at all. Exactly, exactly. See, it's about balance. You earned the hours. Yin, yin yeah. and yang. Which one are you? And. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Anyway... I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm spectacular. We were fantastic. Try not to be yawning on y'all tonight. We're just trying to convince ourselves that we're great at this point, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into it. You know, do the usual. Let's plug the social needs. Follow our Instagram. And our Twitter. But also our Instagram. Yes, the Instagram is brand spanking new. And, you know, it's the same as the Twitter, at Really Podcast. But it's not the same because we post different stuff on it. Yes, that's true. But if you don't know by now how to spell Really Podcast, boy, I've got a treat for you. <laughs> you y'all should see Meredith's face. She's just waiting for it. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, here we go. R-E-E-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Really podcast. I just love the inconsistency. I think <laughs> I think with the wrapping the name of the podcast, I mean, it's just kind of like a wild card. You never know what sound we're going to have. Honestly. Um, for the little, little name wrap. So I don't know why I get embarrassed. I never know what it's going to sound like. <laughs> One day it's not even going to be a wrap. Opera. Just wait. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that embarrassing. I'm a little embarrassing, but not that embarrassing. (laughs) And also, we have an email, so you can talk to us. I mean, you can talk to us via anything, really. But our email, you can send us suggestions for movies you want us to watch. And say nice things to us. Exactly. Um, Draw fan art. You don't know what we look like, but, you know, do your best. Imagine what uh, we I look would not like. like fan art. That makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> I, I get what you're... I pick it up, what you're putting down, Meredith. What? Nervous about fan art? Fan art can go very bad in many ways. I just... Uh, we can cut this out, but sometimes when I see fan art, I'm like... 
where did you learn how to draw? Did you learn how to draw? <laughs> like, the sentiment is there. But the art skills just... We'll aren't. judge your fan art. If you send <laughs> us fan art, we'll talk about it. Send us hate mail. Yes, that's what we're really wanting, honestly. I will read hate mail out loud. Yes, in a stupid voice. My normal voice. I will do it in a stupid voice. <laughs> It'll get read out loud. Yes. And we'll give you a shout out for being bullies. Yes, because, you know, bullying wins. At least that's what... That's what I've always heard. Yeah, yeah. Nice guys finish last. That's true. Anyway, <laughs> so this is actually the beginning. Uh, well, by the time this is posted, it'll be the beginning of February. Yeah. And that means that we're going into our next series. We, you loved our Halloween series we so think. much um, that we decided to do one for the second scariest holiday, Valentine's Day. Ah! Insert scream here. <laughs> but yeah, so our series name is Movies That Make You Feel Something. It's exponentially easier to remember. You are welcome, everybody listening to this. Yes, yes. And we made it this because it's not necessarily going to be romantic movies all of February. I mean, in a way... Yeah, romance is like an important part of these movies, but not every movie is necessarily a romance movie. Yes. It is included, but not... Limited to. Yes, yes. And one thing that we're bringing up this month is the cryometer. At least, is that what you want to call it? I mean, that's what it could be called. That is. (laughs) We should have decided it before we started recording. So, uh, since we just called it the cryometer, that's what it's going to be. And thus it is known, the meter of tears is known as the cryometer. I was trying to make that sound like... Monty Python, like, Book of Armaments, Holy Hand Grenade, formal, but I couldn't do it off the top of my head. I apologize. We didn't pass the vibe check. So, this first movie that we are, that we watched to start off this series is one of my favorites, and I know you guys are probably like, oh, she says that every week. (laughs) But this is, this is in my tentative top ten list of favorite movies. In the, in the upper half of it, I believe. Um, I sometimes don't remember the order that they're in, but hey, I know it's on there. Yeah. But, I mean, this movie is beautiful visually, beautiful in the way that it's written, uh, the way that it's directed, which goes under visually. But you, right. I, I just want to shout everybody out. like. And the performances were just spectacular. It really was. And, like... We are not being sarcastic. We're not even trying to be funny. We know that we typically are funny. Well, try to be funny at least. <laughs> but this is genuinely a great movie. Yeah, and in, when and in a few minutes when we tell you who's in it, you're not going to believe us. You're really not. But the movie we watched, Stranger Than Fiction, that's that's the title of the movie. It's not a description of it. <laughs> so we started with Stranger Than Fiction. Sphinxin. We started with Stranger Than Fiction, 
And uh, next week we'll have Rent. By my request. For the weekend of Valentine's Day, we will have The Notebook. By my request. Because, because Meredith's never seen it! Ooh. Ugh. And I have, which is strange. We Early rarely have fiction. Ooh. Oh. Oh. oh, there we go. She said the name of the movie <laughs> in the episode. Roll credits. <laughs> and then to close off the month, Saint Elmo's Fire, which was by my request. And I have no idea what that movie entails. And I have no idea how to describe it. Oh god. Other than just Breakfast Club, but with more cocaine. Ooh. Oh yeah, I remember you saying that, but I couldn't remember like. What movie? Yeah. It definitely wasn't Stranger Than Fiction. Right. There were zero drugs in this movie. I mean, cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy in the bakery who was like, you gonna tax the bathroom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy was pretty funny. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and talk about who's in the movie. And, like... Last week, this is a star-studded film. Yeah, just oh. like really talented people. It's got Dustin Hoffman, Emma Thompson, Queen Latifah, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and the main character of this beautiful, well-crafted, emotional movie is Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. <laughs> Yes, and... Like, like, stepbrothers, Will Ferrell. <laughs> like, shut up, you're waking the neighbors, I'm burying you to death, Will Ferrell. You curly-headed <laughs> you Will Ferrell, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you touch my drum set? <laughs> no, Brennan. <laughs> you should be medicated. <laughs> I'll do whatever the I want. Something like that. I... I am almost ashamed to say a performance by Will Ferrell unironically brought me to tears. That it, ma- it made me cry too, but yes. Like, that's just so wild to think of everything you've ever seen Will Ferrell in. I feel like Elf could do that, potentially. I don't like that movie. Well, you're wrong, um, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. It's overdone, in my opinion. But it's not Christmas, so we won't talk about it now. My jaw is dropping. Y'all can't see it, but my mouth is completely open. (laughs) Anyway, like we said, star-studded cast, and it's, it's beautiful, in and out. I will say, it's funny to see Will Ferrell and Dustin Hoffman standing next to each other, because Will Ferrell's, like, really tall, and Dustin Hoffman isn't. Will Ferrell is a giant of a man, I and, feel like. And in this movie, he's just so, like, timid and quiet, and it's like, bro, whose man's is this? <laughs> well, one thing that I do want to mention is that comedy actors who typically do comedy, I've heard that they can do, dram- like, drama very well. Just because of the timing aspect. Yeah. Because you have to have your timing on point whenever you're any kind of comedian. Yeah. So to be able to do certain dramatic scenes with perfect timing, doing the right thing at the right time is critical. Yeah. 
but that's just what I've been told before. I don't I don't have any proof to go behind that. Yeah, yeah, you do. Will Ferrell in Stranger Than Fiction. <laughs> and I mean, didn't Danny DeVito do some serious roles as well? I have no idea. I feel like he has. I mean, like, does the penguin count? <laughs> I'm just thinking Frank, it's all, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, no. No, he's just terrible. A terrible human oh, being. Oh, dope. <laughs> <laughs> Is this, like, the third time we've mentioned it's always sunny in Philadelphia in this show? Probably. <laughs> I, I think so. But let's go ahead and get on the plot. And as usual, I'm going to let Meredith take it, because I can't tell a story to save my freaking life. So... It follows the main character, who who is an IRS agent, and he's very, like, good with numbers, and he's got a very, like, organized mind and routine of doing things. Honestly, very Rain Man, if you ask me. Dustin Hoffman. I didn't know. I've never seen that movie. Oh. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> I'm making a reference oh. that I don't completely understand, <laughs> which is what I usually do. I pretend like I know shit. Like, honestly. <laughs> well, when Rain Man Dustin Hoffman was autistic. Oh. I don't think the guy in uh, Stranger Than Fiction is, though. He's just, like... Yeah. He's just very, like, set in his ways. Yeah. And he's minding his own business one day, and then a voice starts, like, narrating what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it starts to, like, freak him out, and he doesn't really think much of it. Or... I don't know. I guess he does think much of it. At first, he's like, what is it? But yeah. then it starts getting deeper, and he's like, oh, my God, I have to figure this out. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it says that he's going to die. It says, little did he know, I don't know the exact quote, but little did he know it, this would lead to his, his death. But the key words there was, little did he know. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Keep that phrase in mind. Little did he know. So this main character, Harold, goes to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist says, you got issues, bro. Schizophrenia. And he's like, no, I don't think so. So he goes to see um, a literature professor, played by Dustin Hoffman, and the literature professor tries to help him. Or he, At first he's like, I'm not really going to help you. There's not really a lot I can do. And then he brings up the little did he know, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're going to figure out what story you're in. We're going to, like, figure this out. Which, I mean, is crazy to me because in what, cause in what universe it, does it seem normal that somebody's life is being written? Like, why was, why was he so readily able to believe him? That's one of my questions, but we can talk about that later on. Yeah. So, because he's an IRS agent, he's auditing... A small bakery mm-hmm. on kind of like on the side of the plot right so he meets this woman Anna and he starts to develop feelings for her and it's really like awkward at first yeah because she doesn't like him she's actually like very ticked which is normal because she's being audited yeah she's very anti-establishment anti-taxes taxation and- is theft Hey, you said it, not me. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so their relationship, like, starts off pretty rocky. And as Harold is, like, going through and trying to figure out, you know, if his life is a comedy or a tragedy, he realizes that, you know, like, he's in love with this woman. 
and it gets to a point where the professor tells him, like, there's not really anything I can tell you. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to live your life, and when you die, you die. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to, like, be faced with my own death. So he starts to live his life. Yep. And he actually goes back to... Well, he has to go back to the baker anyway, because... Did we say that she's played by Maggie Gyllenhaal? I don't think we did, but Maggie Gyllenhaal plays the baker. Or the bakist. Anna. <laughs> she plays Anna, and they're the complete opposite of each other at, yes. at that point. Yeah. But he's trying to become more of a human, less robotic, and they become closer after a little bit of struggle. Yeah. And through some unforeseen circumstances, he gets, you know, moved out of his apartment. He moves in with a co-worker, um, played by Tony Hale. I don't know if you guys know, but Tony Hale plays Buster in Arrested Development. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> or Gary in Veep. Both, both shows are pretty funny. Um, also, side note, the two guys from the Sonic commercials are in this movie. Yes. We don't know why, are but... You- I was like, are they a package deal? Because they're, t- like, next to each other every time you see them in the movie. It's yes. crazy. I, I, th- I, we're going to have to look that up. I mean, yeah, I don't know why they're they're in that movie, but... I mean, the movie happened first, right? I don't know. Which came first, Sonic or the movie? <laughs> or Sonic the movie. That hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> so he moves in with this co-worker. And starts to, you know, realize what it's like to not be by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so he, in a grand romantic gesture to Anna, confesses his feelings. Uh, and uh, <laughs> This is such a cute part. Just please tell me I'm listening. So he wants to apologize to uh. her and win her and explain how he feels. So he brings her a box of different kinds of flour. Like and baking like, flour. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, you know, whatever, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I brought you some flowers. So instead, oh, I'm sure you all get it. I'm sure you get it. I don't have it's to explain. It's beautiful. But when that part was coming up, I was I kept like kind of looking over to Megan. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said it, and we were just both like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> we loved it and hated it and loved it at the same time. Well, at least I did. I just loved it, like straight up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> to see such like okay, honestly, they could have named him Norm. That's how freaking normal he was. Think of SpongeBob when he tries to be normal in that one episode. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, his delivery of the line, too, is like... Because it's a joke, obviously, but the way he says it, he's just like, uh, oh, I, I brought you some flowers. Yeah, he doesn't even almost laugh, like, crack a smile. Almost like he doesn't realize the irony in his joke. Like, Like, he didn't make... It's almost like he didn't make the connection on the wordplay himself, even though it's, like, impossible to not realize what he was doing, you know? Yeah, and 
his whole demeanor is interesting throughout the entire movie. It, honestly, this 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 movie could be called Becoming Human because that's what he did. He's like yeah. a robot to human, but he was just very like soft spoken, almost kind of stale, yeah. flat, you know, like a saltine cracker. Honest, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> like it's funny, but literally yeah. like a saltine cracker without salt. <laughs> it's for real. <laughs> so. He's still trying to figure out when he's going to die and what he can do to stop it. And he's visiting with the the professor again. And on the TV, like in the office, there's like an interview between an author and another woman. And he realizes that the author in the interview is the woman in his head. So they're existing in the same universe at the same time which confused the heck out of me because at first I thought the world that Harold was living in was going to be his own little world and like a made up world you know and I didn't know how they were going to make the connection but that's not how it happened yeah so he has to track down this author who she's been like in and out of the movie because earlier it says like she's having writer's block And she's trying to figure out how to kill the character in her book. Yes. And she gets an assistant, played by Queen Latifah. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they're trying to work through her problems. Doing some morbid stuff. Yeah. Hanging out at the hospital, basically looking for a morgue. And then... Imagining car accidents in the rain. Yep. Just trying to figure out a way to kill this character. Yeah. Who is... Right. So Harold meets her, and she gets just completely freaked out. Which is reasonable. Because we learn through the professor that every time she writes a book, she kills the character. So now she's faced with this idea of, like, how many people have I killed? How many people were actually real, and I killed them? And she starts, like, going through the ways that she's killed other characters... She says she killed about eight... She's written about eight books. Yeah. Yeah. So that potentially is at least eight, eight people. Yeah. yeah. So, so Harold's like, tell me you haven't written the end of it. And she's, like, freaking out. She's like, I just haven't typed it yet. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay. Maybe that's what it is, you know? Right. So she gives him the manuscript... And lets him read it, but he doesn't want to read it. He takes it to the professor. The professor reads it. And then, like, the, it's just like the point when the movie gets straight up sad. Yes. Because oh my God. Harold comes in. His eyes are, like, bloodshot red. He's been crying. His face is pale. And, and the professor looks at him and says, there's no other way. This is the most beautiful thing she's ever written. Yeah. And Will Ferrell's reaction. Oh. It's weird to say Will Ferrell's reaction. It's so strange because it was so incredible. I'm I'm just like thinking about it right now and it like just imagining it because his his he looks. Like he's genuinely crying. His nose is running. 
his eyes are running and it's 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 gut-wrenching to see him cry like that yeah because you net one you never see it but it looks so real yeah it's it's the realest crying that i've probably ever seen in a movie yeah (laughs) and that's unbelievable I, I, I'm I mean, honestly like, speechless. Yeah, There's exactly, nothing else. Exactly. You, you just have to watch it. Which, watch the movie! We are going to have some spoilers in this because we can't avoid them with some of the things we want to talk about. So, if you don't yes. want the like ending spoiled, stop listening and come back to it. We have tons of other episodes while you wait to watch the movie. Exactly. So please, please, please don't let us ruin it for you. Yes. Like, go watch it now. So he takes the manuscript back. He gets on the bus and just sits on the bus all day and reads it. Literally all day. In one sitting, he reads, reads it. it. And he runs into the, the author, Karen Eiffel, as she's leaving the office. And he says, I love it. Don't, don't change it for me. It's your masterpiece. There's no other way. Ah. Uh. And oh that my is God. just heartbreaking. That to have somebody accept their own death when they know it's inevitable or when they think it's inevitable. Well, it's it's not even that it's that he thinks it's inevitable. The author has the chance to change it. He doesn't have to die this way. He doesn't have to die tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. And he all he has to do is say, "Please don't kill me." But he, instead he says, there's no other way. Well, in his mind, it's probably inevitable, the way he's well, thinking. Because yeah. when you're, well, I'm not saying I've ever been in that position, but I assume when you're in a position like that, if somebody was in a position like that, it's like, well, what can I do? Yeah. You're, you're probably feeling helpless. So he goes home to Anna, or... I guess instead he like he he starts to get his things in order. Yes. So his buddy at work that he's been staying with, it was his lifelong dream to go to space camp. So he enrolls him in the adult space camp program. And he goes home to Anna and they watch old movies and have dinner together and lay down and, and it's cuddle. Just, and it, he knows that it's his last chance. And he makes sure to let her know how to get out of being audited <laughs> and that he, quote, adores her. Yeah. That that really broke my heart, honestly. That really did. It really did. Um, for several reasons, but yeah, that broke my heart. <clears throat> it was really bad. That's when we both started crying, honestly. Like, we were... So, the next morning, he gets... Or maybe not even the next morning, in the nighttime, he gets up and he goes back to his his own apartment that's still partially destroyed, and he goes back to his, his plane living for one more night, and he wakes up the next morning and gets up exactly the way he did before any of this happened. And he walks to the bus. And, oh, you want me to do it? 
I can do it. I okay. Do it. <clears throat> so, he had this watch through the whole movie, and at one point the watch broke, and he asked somebody for the time, so he wound his watch. The time on the watch was wrong. So, he showed up to the bus in enough time to see a little boy ride his bike into the street. But the bus was coming, so in order to keep the kid from getting hit, he pushed him out of the way and got hit by the bus himself. Yep. Sacrificing himself to save somebody else. And at that same time, uh, the writer, Eiffel, she's typing it out. But she didn't quite type out that he was dead. She typed out the letters D-E and the word dead. Right. And at that point, she stops. Like, she starts shaking. She grabs her cigarette. Yes. Tries to start smoking because she has a really bad smoking habit, which... And she's frantic. She's lost her mind almost at this point. Yeah. And then it kind of just cuts. You don't know what necessarily happens next, except that you see an aerial view of uh, Harold on the ground, bleeding out, people surrounded him, and, you know, doing the typical things you do if something like that happens. The police come, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then it kind of blacks out and then i believe it's when it pans over to the hospital i think first it shows karen eiffel going to the professor's office okay because he's a big <clears throat> excuse me because he's a big fan of her of like of her work and stuff so she comes in and says i heard you read it what'd you think and he tells her that it was her greatest piece ever and she gives him a copy and says that she changed a few things mm-hmm. and he reads it and he says it's just okay you can't take that kind of beauty out of the story that you had it doesn't make sense now and then it pans over to the hospital yes and Harold's still alive and like all his bones are broken and <laughs> I'm pr- like nearly all yeah, yeah literally <laughs> it goes through the list and tells you which ones are broken <laughs> And what had ended up saving him was the little piece of watch got, like, like stuck somewhere in his arm. Yeah, in his artery. It, like, stopped him from bleeding out. Right. Because <clears throat> if it wouldn't have been there, he would have bled out and died. Yeah. So then Anna comes into the hospital, and it's their little reunion, and it's just really sweet. And she's like, how did this happen? She's all frantic and things, and he tells her what happened that he saved this little boy and she just kind of like she starts glowing almost from the inside yeah like how would you feel if your boyfriend said i nearly died trying to save some kid i've never even met before just a stranger off the street i we would get married right then and there i tell you what (laughs) married in that hospital and then we'd have a party when you got better But then what really (laughs) struck me is that it goes back to the professor and the author. And they're talking, and he's just like, I don't understand how you could change it, you know? Like, ruining your best work. And, And she says, when you think about it, when you have the kind of man who, even though he knows he's going to die and he can do something about it, he's going to do it anyway isn't that the kind of person that you want to keep alive 
and she mentioned that she was going to rewrite the beginning of it. So she's probably going to rewrite it the way it actually happened. We were watching the book. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Kind of like how in the, in the Outsiders, it opened, like, the first line of the book is, As I stepped into the bright sunlight from the darkness of the movie house, I had two things on my mind. Paul Newman and a ride home. And then it goes through, like, the whole story. And then at the end, when he's, like, failing his classes, the teacher's like, just do really good on this last paper, this last, like, experience paper, and you'll be good. So the last line of the book is, when I stepped into the bright sunlight from the darkness of the movie house, I had two things on my mind, Paul Newman and a ride home. You know, I actually love that. Some people might call it cheesy, but I love that. I do, too. Love it. I've never seen Outsiders. I've never read it. Need to, apparently. The book is really good. The movie, star-studded cast. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. But you have to make sure to watch, like, the extended version, or else, like, the important parts of the book aren't in it. Oh. And that's kind of stupid, but... Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's how it ends. Yeah. Beautiful movie. I can't even stress it enough, honestly. Beautiful story. Yes, like... So much character development. Honestly. And, I mean... I oof. mean, the whole film is about character development. Yeah. But then, like, I guess the character development of the author... Yeah. ...is important, too. Because she went from being... so, And, you know, would refuse help from anybody to willingly calling Penny her assistant and graciously accepting an extension on the deadline and and she even changes physically as well and and how she looks she looks more put together at the end like she isn't on hard drugs like i'm being honest with y'all in the beginning she looks like she's on some bad stuff yeah um but it's completely different at the end so um how about we get into the characters? Because that's, like, we were just talking about character development is the movie. Yeah. So let's talk about, do you want to talk about, who do you want to talk about first? Well, we kind of already talked about Harold and how he's, you know, kind of a square yeah. dude, an IRS agent, you know. So we kind of have an idea of him. Mm-hmm. And Anna as well. We talked about her and her non-conforming anti-establishment yeah uh let's talk about professor hilbert then professor hilbert is this kind of dry i wouldn't say old man i'd say middle-aged getting closer to old yes kind of gray Definitely. Drinking coffee all the time. He probably has some sort of liquor in his cabinet, you know, in his in his desk at his school. So imagine that. <laughs> He's also the faculty lifeguard at the pool. Yes, and he keeps his books in a shower cap. So he can read them at the pool. Makes sense, right? But he kind of plays aid to Harold through the whole movie mm-hmm. because he, you know, he's the in-house expert on all things literature. And so the fact that little did he know fit into this story, that's kind of like what piqued his interest, what got him thinking like, oh, 
Now we have to figure out what's going on. He's written books on Little Did He Know. He's done lectures on Little Did He Know. He's done panels on Little Did He Know. That was his thing. Yeah. And, I mean, he really pushed along the story, along with Queen Latifah's character. Yeah. Which we'll get into later. <laughs> kind of like we talked about last week um, when Megan was saying that Randy in Scream was like the narrator. Mm-hmm. And then I disagreed, of course. Um, but, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. The narrator, in a sense of, like, pushing the plot along. Yes. Not so much a narrator as, as in the sense of, like, Harold's got a voice in his head narrating what he's doing. But just kind of, like... Pushing the story, guiding the story. In a literal sense. Yes. At one point, he's even like, if I go through this door, the story will continue. If I don't, it'll end. And also, I'll be late. So he, yeah. so they, <laughs> they go through the door and keep moving. Which I thought was interesting, just as like a storytelling um, element, you know? Yeah. Uh, so next is... Well, I mean, we could talk about Queen Latifah's character, Penny, next, because she kind of had the same function mm-hmm. that Professor Hilbert did, except that she was aide to Karen Eiffel, the author. Yes. So, honestly, the same. Yeah. Except less screen time. Yeah. She did have a lot of good things to say, though, I think. Like, she was... She was... The, okay, so she had the same function as Dustin Hoffman's character, but she was so much more put together. I think, like, out of everybody, she had everything together more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And she's very much more caring. N- maybe not in the, oh, here you go, poor baby way, but in a very, like, you need to do this. Yeah, like, it's it's going to stink right now, but it's going to make you so much better like, in the long run, kind of mm-hmm. kind of caring, yeah. Whereas I think Professor Hilbert was more like, oh, this is interesting for me to, like, watch and be a part of. She was more like, I want you to be better for you. Yeah, for Hilbert, it was definitely more for his benefit and his viewing pleasure, yeah. for lack of better phrase, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so next I feel like we can get into um, Eiffel. She's a big part of the story. Yeah. And, I mean, we kind of talked about her a little bit, too, already. Um, She's kind of been in hiding for, like, ten years or something crazy. Yeah, because that's when that interview was. The interview was from ten years ago, and she's still writing this book and hasn't finished it. How she's been, like, that's how long she's been trying to figure out how to kill him. That's insane. Which makes me wonder, like, when she first started the book, was Harold hearing voices in his head... Or not, like, why did it just randomly start one day? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, what what made that day the day for him to hear voices? What triggered that flip to one day that he can hear it? Because in, in the beginning of the movie, the very beginning, well, was it? No, no, because I, I thought the very beginning. 
At first, I thought the very beginning of the movie was her standing at the top of the building, but that's not it. No. That's when she's first introduced. Yes, when we first see her, because it's Emma Thompson's voice narrating the beginning of the movie, but we don't know that she's actually a character. We think she's just giving the audience information. Mm-hmm. We don't know that she's in the story. Like, I literally thought her introduction was going to also be the end of her character at that point, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you don't know who Emma Thompson is, I thought it was pretty funny. I recognized her because she plays Professor Trelawney in Harry Potter. The divination professor. You never got to watch that, did you? I've seen every Harry Potter movie. Okay. I don't remember don't them. Remember. Well, I'm not a big Harry Potter fan. She didn't have, like, a huge part in the film. She's like the tea leaves. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. And I was like, is that Professor Trelawney? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> but she was very manic. Yes. Very, very manic. Very yeah. just all over the place. And then eventually... Once she realized that what she's doing has an impact on people's lives, then she, like, takes a step back from this, like, these walls that she's built around herself... And she kind of cools down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the watch. The watch we counted as a character because it almost is personified. In a weird way. Yes. So like at the beginning of the movie, it says that the watch would like talk to Harold. Not necessarily like talk to him, but like give him little hints about things. And, like, it was implied that the watch would play a big role in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which it kind of did. Because... Yeah. I mean, that's how he stayed alive. Right. But after the opening scene, it kind of stopped talking about the watch. And then 20-something, whatever minutes later, it just starts going crazy, blinking, making noise when Anna's walking across the street. And it and, dies. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so the watch becomes important again. So he rewinds the watch. And then for the rest of the movie, we don't really yeah, hear anything about the watch. But there is something that we'll get into later of how kind of the watch is symbolized throughout the movie. But as right. usual, we'll get into that later. Because, yeah, because, like, the watch isn't really mentioned again until he gets hit by the bus, mm-hmm. and it saves his life. And then, you know, Anna, like, draws a little Sharpie watch on the cast on his arm. That but, was like, cute. With a smiley face. Yeah. That's another way they personified it. Yeah. Maybe in, like, a cheesy way, but still yeah. personified. So, let's get into kind of the dynamic of this movie. Would that be a good way to say it? Yeah, because we watched it for our rom-com movie month, movies that make you feel something, but it's not really a rom-com. No. Like, the Harold-Anna romance plot is very much just a side plot through the whole thing. Very, very underlying. And maybe it's... Maybe the love in this movie is him loving himself. Absolutely. Not just himself, but he finds, like, romantic-type love as well as the platonic love that he gets out of spending time with 
with his friends from work. Yeah. Because when he was first meeting with, I guess, with the professor, he asked if he had any friends, and he's like, uh, not really, you know, I have Dave from work. So his only friend in the world, he doesn't really know anything about him until he starts, like, living there with him. And so as he's, like, discovering things about life, as cheesy as that sounds, he, <laughs> he realizes, like, the importance of having, like, friends and that kind of platonic love. And his world starts to develop. It starts to develop in a few ways, I guess. Like, material-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people, I guess if you want to count those, like, start building up in his life. And something we'll talk about later, but color. His yeah. life literally gets color added to it. I mean, honestly, we could talk about it, like, right now. Yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and go into that. So, yeah. a big part of this movie is, is the looks. And, you know, people who aren't design-minded like that, they may not notice it. They might more subconsciously notice it. But it's not as obvious. But we, in particular, look for things like that. Because, one, we have to talk about it. <laughs> and, two, it just well, it interests me. I'm sure it interests yeah, yeah. you as a film buff. But, like... One of the, some of the big things in this, design-wise, stylistically, is the color, different shapes that are um, shown throughout the movie. It's a very linear movie. Yes. In terms of, like, actual lines being portrayed. Uh, Parallels and um, circles. Which are separate from shapes. Even though circles are shaped. Well, in this in this, in this is, yeah, instance, yeah. because it the circle represents, in my mind, the watch. Right. Um. So let's start off with color. You can go ahead and do yeah. that. Yeah. So this is kind of like my favorite, like, piece to notice about this movie because, when Harold is just living by his himself, doing his like day to day stuff. He doesn't really have any like decorations in his apartment. He wears very, like, neutral colors. Everything is beige. Everything is gray. Then when he meets Anna and he goes into her bakery, it's kind of got that, like, cozy clutter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's uniquely decorated. And when he starts to go over to her apartment, like, there's pinks and greens and blues. And it's all just very vibrant. And even with Karen Eiffel and Penny... When they're sitting out in the rain, watching cars, imagining car accidents, everything is bleak and gray except for Penny standing over Karen with a yellow umbrella. And it's just that one bright yellow spot over this, like, bleak outlook. And I think that that's very representative of the characters. And, I mean, that's that's your favorite, like, still of the movie. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's very nice. But, I mean, like, with Harold, once he starts, like, realizing the importance of these people in his life, he's not wearing gray and white anymore. He's wearing, like, red sweaters. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, like, mixing it up and making his own world more colorful, more exciting. I mean, this man didn't even like cookies. They were all store-bought. His mom didn't bake. She got store-bought cookies, but then... Anna made him cookies. That was the funny part, too. 
um, Anna made him cookies, and he didn't get the hint that she had made them for, for him. him. Yeah. They weren't just left over from the day. They were fresh out of the oven. At the end of the day, after everybody had left, the shop was closed. She made them for him. Because she had made his day terrible on purpose. Like, she made it horrible <laughs> to audit the bakery. So, when he's leaving this terrible day, and she's like, fresh baked cookies, right? Yes. Makes anybody happy. And this dude is so square. He says, oh, I can't do that because of the auditor, auditee code of ethics or whatever. He's like, I'll buy them from you. I'll purchase them. And then... she That pisses her off. It really does. I think it... I think it would make me mad too. Not yeah. at the level that she. I got mean, like mad. I get it. Like I get his like ethical principles, but at the same time, I'd be like, it's cookies. it's a cookie. Take it home, you know. Yeah. Oh, and but that, without <laughs> that, but without that, we wouldn't have had the flowers. Yeah, because he brings to as a token of yeah of apology. He brings her flowers, and she's like, oh, well, I'll just buy them from you. Or do I have to buy them from you? I'll buy from you. What are they? And he's like, flowers. I brought you flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Then she's got egg on her face. She's like, wait, that's actually, like, really sweet. And he's like, I want you. Like, in the most basic way ever, he's, I want you. And and when when I guess when we were watching it, I was like, you know, I wish he maybe wouldn't have, like, just said that. You know, maybe I wish he would have been like, I like you. Yeah. Also. I don't think he even knew what the concept of liking somebody was. Right, because then when they got to her, her house, she was like, you want to come inside? He was like, oh, I don't know. She's like, I thought I thought you, and he was like, I did not think anything after just saying I want you. Like, I didn't think through it. I didn't think anything would happen. Which is interesting. Wow. That Harold deserves rights. Yes. Wow. That was the first time <laughs> I've ever said that. <laughs> One man. In in the whole two seasons of this show, two men deserve rights. Ash and Harold. Wait, we said Ash deserves rights? I feel like he does a little bit. He can have some rights. Just because he saves people? As a treat. (laughs) Only on, like, uh, Tuesdays he can have rights. Ash can have rights as a treat. (laughs) But Harold just gets all, gets rights. Yes. He deserves them. Definitely. Oh, my God, yes. But let's go back to, I feel like we've covered color. Yeah. I just want to say, back to him deserving rights, Everything he does through this whole movie, even before he learns that he's going to die, everything he does in this movie is for somebody else. The only thing that he wants for himself is to keep living. That's true. He doesn't even give himself the things he wants. Like, he wanted, his whole life, all he wanted to do was learn how to play guitar. He never let himself do that. Oh, my God. And then he plays guitar for Anna. Oh, my God. Just go watch the movie. Go watch the movie. Just go watch it. It's so good. It really is. And then we go into shape, which I feel like shape and parallels could go with yeah, each yeah, other yeah, yeah. because, like you said, it's a very linear movie. Um, the architecture in this, I want to know where it was filmed. I, it's it's supposed to take place, I think, in New York, mm-hmm. but I don't know exactly. Yeah, well, 
Well, because, I mean, they have, like, Wall Street and the subway and... Yeah. But they never say a city, and when they're even on the bus, he's like, do you frequently ride the Metropolitan Transit Authority or whatever? It's like... Oh, my God. That's like me when I say, I need to get my cellular device. Yeah. Have you? Do you notice that I say that? Yeah. Because I'm a freak. <laughs> but, like, the windows, the windows are huge. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like with Harold... It's all square, but Anna, every window for her, every time he looks through a window to her, they're all round. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, he is a pretty square dude. Like, that makes sense. Movie. And Dave's windows are rounded squares. Yeah, because he's still also, pl- like, he's also an IRS agent. He's not the most exciting guy, but he, he has a little, like, spice, a little flavor in his life, you know? Yeah, like some ketchup. Salt, pepper. Maybe some garlic. <laughs> no, just salt and pepper. That's all the spice I need. That's so sad. I'm joking. I'm it's joking. A joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but <laughs> ketchup. <laughs> ketchup spicy. <laughs> I think if you Google ketchup, it comes up as like a spiced condiment. And that made me really mad one day. I was crying. I was like, ketchup's not spicy. Spicy. <laughs> so shapes and parallels. Um, a lot of them were in uh, Professor. I'm so bad. Hilbert. With names. Professor Hilbert's office. Um, that's where the majority of it was, honestly. And then in the buildings. Um, what do you think? I mean, I'm just, I just keep thinking about when he was, when Harold was down in the, like, in the filing room. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, wall-to-wall, like, boxes, and it's all white. Like, it's just a very white scene, and it's, like, endless boxes. It's very Kubrick. Yeah. Very Kubrick. It's like it could go on forever. Very symmetrical. I feel like a lot of this movie is very symmetrical. It is, because um, there's a lot of reflections. Yes. That was your favorite shot of the movie, was mm-hmm. when he was talking to the psychiatrist, and, like, halfway down, it, was, it started, like, the reflection in the glass table. Yes. I thought, this whole movie, we've said it about 15 times, it's beautiful, but visually how it's written I just can't stop talking about every aspect of this movie is beautiful even with like the weird like watch plot hole and the random starting point even with those plot holes like it's still a beautiful movie it really is speaking of the watch let's go on and talk about the circles that occur during the movie and the watch and how I feel like it relates back to the watch yeah So, in the beginning, we have the watch working. It kind of has its own personality, but not quite. It's being personified. And it shows the face of a watch. And I believe at one point, Harold looks down at his watch, and then he looks into the window of the bakery, which is round. So, that kind of signaled to me that it was the parallel of that. And there were several other times before that where it showed... A circle and usually it was a window seeing into something important like Anna in the bakery or whenever Penny looked through the window wasn't Anna's bed frame 
It was. Like the headboard of her was circular? Yes, it was. Now that you mention it, yeah. Wow. Brilliant. Wow. Incredible. And even, and this is like skipping way toward the end, uh, the the contraption in the that, hospital bed yeah, is round exactly yeah. and it's it's continuously brought up and that made me think of and this might sound pretentious that's the word i was trying to think of last night was pretentious oh, okay uh, or reach was that almost symboled the circle of life yeah or like with the watch the, how much time you yeah. have left in your life well because it's like Circles represent continuity. Mm-hmm. So from the beginning of this movie up until he meets Anna, like from the beginning, everything is linear and there's lines. And then he learns he's going to die. And so his death would be the end of that line. So when he meets Anna and all these circles start popping up, it's like hinting to him that he needs to keep living. Like he can't just meet the end of this line. Like there's something to keep going for dang i feel like we just said something real smart we did we did we did we did, we did good on that one i'd say <laughs> that was funny so i mean you've seen this before but what or what are your final thoughts my my official like letterboxed review as of august 3rd 2019 um, gives this movie four stars, but I watched it again on August 14th, 2019, and said, I know I watched this last week, but it's so good, and I watched it with people who have never seen it, so it was even better. I added a fifth star because this deserves it. Wow. So, this is a five-star movie to me. Wow. I I think, like, Message-wise and tone, I mean, you just, a story like this, I can't give it anything else. Like, the good in this movie outweighs the plot holes, in my opinion. If they even are, you know? Yeah. So I say I give this one five, um... Five Bavarian sugar cookies out of five. Nice, nice. You're going to hate me. You're going to hate oh, me. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. First, I need to think of what I need instead of stars. What can I put it as? I'm just going to go with the obvious. Um, okay. I'm going to say... <laughs> so... Four and a half. I'm good with that. Four and a half watch faces out of five. I thought you were going to say, like, three, and I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. That would be... You can't. That'd be sacrilege. I mean, because this movie is so good. Like, in the core of all things, this is probably one of the most important movies ever made. Just, I mean, I mean, that's, like, kind of a stretch... But at the same time, like, just thinking about it, here is a man who is told, you are going to die sacrificing your life for someone. 
And all he has to do to make it not happen is not step in front of a bus and not push him out of the way. And he does it anyway, knowing he doesn't know that the author changed the ending. He still thinks he's going to die and he does it anyway. And I mean, I just think like that whole process of him... The acceptance. Yeah, and like stepping out of his box and his comfort zone, like stepping... Okay. I understand. Like stepping out of his comfort zone and his box to do the things that he's always wanted to do because he thinks he's going to die. And like towards the end of his life, he's so happy. He's content. And then he gets to keep living. Like why why should we wait to do the things we want to do? Just do them now. Live the life you want while you have one to live. Like that's I mean I just think that's really important and the way that it's portrayed in this movie it was just done really well in my opinion. And and that's when you I feel like you know it's good when it's an age old saying something that's been preached time and time again, but when it's done so well that it feels fresh feels new yeah because it does this movie does how would you rate it on the cryometer let's let's say one out of ten for that since we do five for the other rating right so one out of ten one being you know that scene in the breakfast club when they're all sitting around like saying will you still be my friend on monday yeah and claire's like no, and then Brian's like, you're so conceited. You're so conceited. That part of the movie makes me cry. Really? Yes. Not, like, I mean, I've kind of, like, grown out of it a little bit, uh-huh. but it still makes me, like, tear up. It makes me get emotional. So if that's one, mm-hmm. then ten is the Volkswagen commercial oh, where God. they're driving around the country to America by Simon and Garfunkel to release Grandpa's ashes that makes me absolutely sob. That's a 10. Okay. So on a 1 to 10, I'd say this movie, for both good and bad reasons, like there's good crying and bad crying in this movie. Yeah. I'd I feel say, like it's almost both Yeah, at I'd the say, same time. I'd say tearjerker, this one's like 6. Really? Yeah. I, okay, okay. Well, I don't know. You saw you saw how I was crying. What would what, what, you say? I mean... Because when I, that's pretty close to sobbing. Six is pretty close to ten. I mean, yeah. I might, because originally I was going to go with three. Really? Yeah, because I feel like I've cried harder at movies. Like, if you saw me watch Les Miserables for the first time, holy crap. I cried during the movie, I cried walking out to my car after the movie, and I cried while trying to explain the movie to my mom. Okay, 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 so I'll reevaluate. You gave it a three, but I feel like I, I had I'd a move li- it up to a four. I had, I feel like I was crying just a little bit more because I saw it all coming, and that hurts worse. Yeah. So I'd say, I'm, 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 I'll go on five. Strength of Face would be my halfway point. Okay. I get, yeah. I mean, you don't have to change it. No, I mean, I think you kind of put it into perspective a little bit, you know? I have cried harder at movies. Okay. I don't remember how much I cried during St. Elmo's Fire, but it'll be fun to remember. I'm tired of crying, man. What, we're, rent, we're, oh, <laughs> The Notebook? Uh, rent made me cry pretty bad. The Notebook, oh my god. I was sobbing, like, sobbing, like, <gasps> couldn't catch my breath. 
That's how I was when I first watched The Fault in Our Stars because I was in like eighth grade or whatever, <laughs> freshman year of high school. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were passing around a box of tissues and the people around us were laughing at us. They were like, you're crying so hard at this movie. And then I started laughing because it was kind of silly, but cried in some Marvel movies. I cried so hard in Infinity War. Really? <laughs> yes. I haven't seen that, so. I feel like at this point it's a little overrated. I feel like at this like it's, point. It's important in terms of like what it did for the comic book cinematic community. Uh-huh. If you're a Marvel fan, please do not attack me for saying comic book cinematic community because... You've already it's, angered the gatekeepers. It's 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 more than just Marvel. Like that made DC step their game up too. So don't don't tase me, bro. Yeah, honestly. Don't know how we ended up talking about Marvel in this wonderful Will, Will Ferrell. <laughs> almost can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful Will Ferrell movie that I purposefully gave five five stars. And that's, you gave Scream five stars. You didn't even give, you gave Scream five stars. Yeah. And you didn't even give the first Evil Dead five stars. I thought I did. I thought I did because it's my favorite movie. Okay, you gave, you gave the second one four. And a half. Yeah. And then the third one four. Yeah. So that's okay. just for ranking purposes. <laughs> I don't know, hopefully we'll get to a point in this season where I'm not giving five star reviews because what's the fun in a perfect movie I'm ex- I'm honestly excited for you to watch Rent I'm excited for later in the season when we get to watch Grizzly Man that's going to be fun to talk about we can cut that out if we're not ready to talk about Grizzly Man but I'm ready I mean not right now not right now but, but like we can mention it it'll be our documentary yeah. for the season oh also Toward the end of February, February 20th through the 22nd, we're going to be going to the Nacogdoches Film Festival. We mentioned that last week. Yes. Which, kind of like when we went to Kilgore, we're on the list. We're on the list. Not just any list. The list. <laughs> Does that mean we have to look decent? Yeah. No. Should we make t-shirts? No. Yes or no? No, I will not wear it <laughs> if we make t-shirts. You will purposefully and goofily wrap the spelling of the <laughs> of our podcast in every episode, but you won't wear a professional shirt that says really podcast. I don't do it in public. I mean... So if I was in the office tomorrow, and you were in the office and a bunch of other people were in there, and I was like, hey, Megan, how do you spell really podcast? You wouldn't... Bust a, bust a rhyme right there. That's different, and you know it is. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all my friends in there, and they will love me no matter what. Hopefully. Hopefully. But anyway, I think, are you ready to wrap it up? I think I'm ready to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. R-E-E-L-Y-P-E-O-D-C-A-S-T. I walked into that. I should have. Should have said no. <laughs> Should have gone home. Hope we don't get copyrighted for this song. Taylor Swift, please don't sue us. Or do. Because that would be cool. people will listen Bragging to us. Bragging rights. Yeah, they'll be like, ooh, we gotta check these people out. They're getting sued. I would, I would, I would make a shirt that said, 
Uh, I got sued by Taylor Swift, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> At Really Podcast. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we really appreciate you. And no pun hope- intended. What? We really appreciate you. Oh, my God. (laughs) I didn't even realize it. (laughs) I did that one, like, in the middle. Like, as soon as I started saying realize, I was like, I got to do it. (laughs) Anyway, guys, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Follow our Instagram. Follow our Twitter. Don't forget about our giveaway. Get those oh, two yeah. free movie tickets. Your movie, your your guest, your choice. Or two by yourself. We really do want to give away these tickets. Please just follow us. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your mom or Tell dad. your mom's book club. Tell your bald-headed granny. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Really? Thank <laughs> you.